the uh, couple there that uh, you saw a couple pictures of, that's Pastor and Mrs. Tong, and uh, grateful for their friendship and that uh, we'll be able to uh, see them and so um, uh, and spend uh, several years with them, and uh, it's a blessing to see his faithfulness, and uh, he started there in that city, Yangon, Bethany Baptist Church, just with uh, he and his family, and uh, been faithful, and the Lord has uh, blessed. So uh, a few things here, and then we'll get into the message, Um, just a little update, I guess I would say, uh, that uh, the Lord's allowed Jennifer and I to be in 68 churches over the last several months, and uh, right now we're at about 94% of our support, so we're praying for uh, the rest of that. We trust the Lord will send that in. Um, traveling, as the Lord allowed us to do, uh, to uh, all parts of the country, uh, Maine to Florida to California to Washington State, and uh, lots of places in between. And in every state that we were at, that we had a meeting, uh, we enjoyed great fellowship with graduates of Fairhaven Baptist College uh, that are uh, all throughout the country serving the Lord, and we were able to also, in between meetings, contact some and, and spend some evenings uh, with them outside of church, and it's a blessing to see and encourage you with that, and the great joy that it was to see friends of a lifetime really throughout these uh, these past several months, and uh, the um, fact is that nearly every church we were at was excited, encouraged by your continued steadfastness in the faith. Uh, They understand the financial sacrifice in maintaining a local church Bible college and how much of that falls uh, not uh, on just tuition, that's a portion of it, praise the Lord for that, but how much of it falls on the sacrificial giving and really, frankly, manual labor uh, of the members of a church uh, to keep a Bible college like Fairhaven going now for getting close to 50 years. What a blessing uh, that is. Um, They understand the effort involved in a ministry outreach that is uh, not every other week or once a month, but 52 weeks out of the year, rain or sun or snow or cold, um, pressing forward. And uh, doing, and in so doing, it offers a wonderful training ground for people going into full-time service, and certainly to the mission field. The man who was in charge of a large missions uh, board back uh, a few years ago I was asked, what's a, the best training for missions? He said, a bus ministry like Fairhaven has, because it's day in, day out. Whether you feel good or you don't feel good, uh, you get out and you go and you hit the streets. And I think that's really what uh, work on the mission field is too. It's just that day-to-day consistent going out, uh, sharing the gospel, witnessing, and going back again and getting rejected and praying. And Lord, uh, will will you send a blessing here? Will you answer a prayer? Will you reach this family? Uh, and uh, so I want to encourage you uh, with that as well. A also a blessing is uh, many understand a school like ours, a college like ours, with guidelines or rules that really are more and more going against anything that this culture represents and appreciate the fact that we're willing to tighten those rules even more when needed 
because they're not naive, they do look around and see the drift that is going on in many places as well. And uh, so <clears throat> encourage you with that. Uh, many uh, good friends, churches, pastors uh, are in real battles, and uh, they are doing their best to uh, hold the line and be faithful to the Lord, and it doesn't come easily. It doesn't come without a cost, and so we're grateful for them, but those pastors also can understand and relate to similar challenges and battles in, and the, the Christian warfare that would go on in a like-minded church. So I encourage you with those things. Um, another thing I would say is that um, uh, with several families who are a part of this church's membership, laboring literally on the other side of the globe, uh, the work is, the sun is never setting on the work uh, for, of Fairhaven Baptist Church. Uh, so again, last uh, Sunday, uh, we were in Wisconsin, Wisconsin in the morning, and it was minus seven, sent a message to Pastor Tong. It was evening, 11 and a half hours, yes, 11 and a half hours difference, morning in Wisconsin, evening, um, in Burma, and uh, we said a picture of the snow, and a minus seven, he smiled back a, a thing and said 83 here at night. So it's a mere 90 degrees difference uh, uh, last Sunday morning there. So, uh, But again, um, when it's morning here, it's night there, and vice versa, the sun's never setting uh, on the work of those. And again, and I stress this, these are people, uh, you know them, the Kims, the, the Shrocks, are uh, from our church on the other side of the globe, in addition to the Raritans and others. Uh, so that's an encouraging thing to think of as well. We will miss some routines that have been a blessing for many years here. The routine, um, for instance, of coming in each Sunday morning from the bus route. And uh, my office there was uh, across the hall from 329. And... Uh, just after dropping all the kids off, getting my stuff for many, many, many years outside of 329 was Mrs. Darlene Hall checking in the third graders into her class. And I would give her a, 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 a good morning, Mrs. Hall. How you doing? And then go on and I'll miss that routine. I also uh, miss the fact that as she was checking in those third graders, I saw some of my own kids from my bus there in line checking in. And I was praying, Lord, please help them to be somewhat uh, well-behaved in church today. Because on the bus coming in, we need a miracle, please. Don't let them, don't let them be too rough on Mrs. Hall this morning. Uh, but it was a blessing to see through the years many, many, many of those young people that came through her Sunday school class and others like that. Follow the Lord and believers' baptism. And uh, several uh, grew up and uh, went further in the academy of the college and, and many serving the Lord still today. So that's a blessing that, uh, that we'll certainly um, miss. I'll miss stepping out of my office anytime I want that uh, office for those many years and immediately having fellowship with some of, to me, the most dedicated uh, Christians in the country, fellow workers uh, that uh, were like-minded and we could share blessings and prayer requests. It wasn't just work. It was uh, time to pray together to, again, um, be on the same page. And I had that access and that 
tremendous blessing. And I often say that um, when I go to a church and maybe it's just a pastor himself uh, there and he doesn't have uh, a staff member. He's doing it all himself and sometimes it can be very lonely. And I said, you know, for many, many, many years, more than I deserve, I had never said that. Uh, it was uh, great, the greatest friends at church and in school, so uh, we'll, we'll certainly miss that. I want to say thank you uh, to many people here briefly. I'll miss people, so blanket thank you to everybody. But some specifics, Mrs. Olson volunteered to handle our finances and all the logistics that goes with that. So we're able to come right out from uh, Fairhaven Baptist Church. And that was, a, that was a blessing, and Pastor Olson's given invaluable guidance to us along the way. Appreciate those that had a part and sending our family on something not super spiritual, but it was fun, a family trip to uh, Baltimore this summer uh, for a good game. Baltimore won 5-2, to two. not that I remember that or anything. Um, I, re- I forget the most important things. Uh, what's your birthday again, Jennifer? Sorry. But the Orioles won 5-2, to two, so uh, I'll work on that. Uh, nonetheless, uh, we appreciate that. That was very, uh, very uh, thoughtful. I appreciate your faithful and generous monthly support. Honestly, it's made deputation go much quicker because of the generosity uh, that uh, you're given to us monthly. So we we appreciate that and uh, don't take that for granted. Um, Very also generous part of the Christmas offering uh, came in and and you sent us some of that. We appreciate that as well. That is going to help us. in these next few weeks in getting over and then getting settled in the first apartment and things like that. So very, very um, appreciative for that. And also those, many jumped in on the Books for Burma effort. Uh, So we took 10 big cases uh, of books. Um, These are going to go to, uh, Pastor Tong's got a library there for kids in the school that's going to just send that down the road. These kids uh, are trying to learn English will help them with that, and this is going to really help them, Um, but uh, many of these books are going to be a great help, and then some of the uh, Bible study books will go to uh, several young men that we know around the country that are starting churches just from scratch, and uh, this will be a great benefit to them. Internet access is at best spotty, so to study online is really not an option right now. And so these physical books will be a great help. So we dropped those off in New York back um, at the end of November. And we will see when they arrive eventually to their final destination. I will say this, we're not going to hold our breath. But we will send you pictures uh, once they do get there. So that will be a great uh, help. Appreciate that very much as well. So our plan is to leave next Monday. Um, our flight is in the evening, and then we will arrive into Myanmar because of the um, layovers and the change of time sometime on Wednesday, wide awake, ready to go. And so I think as our last act, we will leave anything here that resembles a coat uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, so that we will not take with us. Uh, we will, uh, Lord willing, secure uh, an apartment Uh, There, we've got a couple um, ideas, but we're looking to see the place first. We'll send pictures of that as well. And then right away, we'll start Burmese language learning with a tutor. Hope she's super, super, super patient. (laughs) I mean, like, really patient. Because I can just imagine, you know, now she's going to say, no, go into town and buy, um, you know, buy some fruit. 
and I'll go into town and I'll, you know, think I have the word, but I'll end up going there and saying, hello, you are a toad face. (laughs) And I'll not understand why they don't want to sell me their fruit. So anyway, they say one little slight sound means a whole big different meaning. I'm in trouble. I'm just going to say to everybody in Burmese, I'm not trying to offend you in Burmese. I'm just going to wear that all around all the time because I'm going to. Anyway, uh, we're grateful that we have a tutor lined up, good lady, that will, uh, Lord willing, guide us patiently through uh, learning Burmese. Uh, We'll get going as quickly as we can, helping out. You saw a little Christian school there. Anybody with ACE, that would ring a bell. Pastor Tong built that ACE Learning Center himself a couple years ago so that the kids, the orphans there that he keeps uh, watch over wouldn't have to go down to the Buddhist school, um, but rather could be taught a Christian education. And it's a labor of love to teach them enough English to get them started on paces, Uh, but we're we're thankful for that and grateful for his uh, concern for that. Um, And then... um, We'll see. Uh, at this point, we've got uh, maybe two or three groups, uh, people, families, planning even through the course of 2024 to visit. And so we will do our best to keep them safe and uh, see if the Lord might uh, bring before them that uh, same thing that he did to us about the need if for missions. If not there, really around the world, there's a lot of people that need the Lord. We'll start distributing the gospel booklet called the True Enlightenment, and we have access to several hundred thousand of those, and the city of Yangon has eight million people in it, and so unlimited uh, amount of people there that we want to get those into their hands. Uh, looking forward to keeping up regular communication with uh, young people and, and, and not young people from here as well as from many churches that we've been to this uh, year that have a real heart toward missions. And we want to keep in contact with them and uh, pray with them and uh, excited to see what the Lord might do in this generation of those that get a good vision of the world and the needs of the world. And uh, those needs are here at home, as well as 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 well as abroad, um, I'm not going to buy a car right away. We're going to take public transportation. I need to figure out how the driving situation works there. However, I'm grateful and uh, just verified this this afternoon that when I do buy a car, I have to one last time take Mr. Stockman with me uh, to do that. So for many many years, any car that I bought, Mr. Stockman. Uh, we went together, and, uh, you know, we'd buy it, or we would say, this is no good, and, you know, or we would say, that's too much money, and he'd save us lots of money, um, and then uh, um, always we would somehow, almost always, but nearly always, we'd end up at Riccobini's in Chicago afterwards, and so I'm looking forward to that, talk to the Myanmar government, and they are, they're on it now, they're putting a, I can't believe it, they're putting a Riccobini's in, and uh, so just in a couple years, Mr. Stockman, we will be there eating the breaded steak and the fries and, you know, all that good stuff. So um, <clears throat> I'll try to interpret for you, but uh, I think maybe Mr. Stockman will be saying the same thing. You are a toad face uh, to the car salesman as we try to speak. Nonetheless, I'm excited about that. That's a tradition I cannot forsake. 
I can't do without that one. So, And then Pastor Tong said, hey, we'll get here. We'll have a special Sunday. What should we have? I said, I've got it, an international dinner. She said, he said, what should we have? I said, it's easy. It's, it'll go like this. I have some friends. They'll jump in. They love the Lord. They're willing to travel. And here's the lineup. Appetizer, Shrey Lai and Mrs. Gentry's egg rolls. Post-appetizer, but pre-meal snack of Mr. Kelso's fudge. Main course, Fred Edwards, barbecue, Mrs. Lisa Reinhardt's stromboli, Mrs. Ramus's flautas and pico, Mrs. Barnett's greens and mac and cheese. Then we return to a mid-meal snack, I'm calling this, of Mrs. O'Hare's baked Alaska. Then back to the main course of three things, Mr. Kelso, Mrs. Kelso's baked beans, mm. Mrs. Brady's pasta salad, mm. and amazingly, courtesy of Mr. Goss, Connie's pizza delivered to Myanmar. I mean, Connie's goes anywhere. Ask anybody that went to Zoo Day. Mr. Goss will make that happen, and then we're going to finish off with a dessert of Mrs. Varner's sugar cookies. Don't you think, like, all of Burma would get saved? I don't know if all of Burma would get saved. I would need, like, uh, like my, you know, my heart doctor, like, living with me for the next eight months, which is okay. Probably needs to do that anyway at this point. So anyway, that, that's just a plan there. I'll throw that out. And if you guys want to look at tickets, uh, we'll make sure to make that happen. I'm sure they have all those ingredients over there, right? Pretty easy to get that. Uh-oh, I got that look from Mrs. A. Anyway... <clears throat> I will say this too, we understand that uh, you're faithfully and joyfully serving the Lord here and that's a blessing to us and we want to be doing the same thing over there and in reality, it sounds funny, but we're only separated by an email or a text. It is 2024, uh, so I got some videos there from Myanmar very easily uh, there last week and so uh, we know that uh, this separation, though not much really, communication is still pretty pretty easy, uh, but we do we are reminded at this time of the great uh, reunion that heaven will be uh, when we will spend eternity uh, forever with the Lord. Hopefully, having all done all we can for the Lord in the spirit of humility and service for Him, and uh, that time will be here before we know it. Eternity is upon us. So John chapter 10 this evening, just a few minutes, John chapter 10. I'd like to look at uh, one aspect of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, John chapter 10, I'll read several verses from this chapter and uh, talk just a little bit about it and then we'll close. John 10 verse 1. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. 
And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake to them. Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but to, for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling. And careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold. And one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man lay, uh, taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time as we look uh, just shortly here into your word. We pray that you would use this truth, the fact that you are the shepherd. But Lord, also, as we'll see in the end, that you are not just the shepherd, but you are also the Lamb of God who gave your life for us. We pray that we would be a church that is marked by this uh, one key thing, is that we regularly behold you, the Lamb of God, and in so doing are reminded of your sacrifice and your love and our responsibility and really opportunity to share that truth with the other sheep that are not yet in the fold so that they too can know you as the good shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the work of the shepherd in the Bible was to find good, good grass for the sheep to eat, to good, good water, to protect from wild animals and to tend to the sheep when they had sickness and had wounds. And this meant that the shepherd would be exposed for long hours to the element, to the elements. He would live out in and among the sheep. And, and he had to have an acceptance that his life would not be a life of ease as long as he was fulfilling the role of shepherd. The Old Testament said several times. Uh, that the Messiah would be under the idea of being a shepherd in Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Zechariah. In the New Testament, Jesus is spoken of as the great shepherd in Hebrews 13, the chief shepherd in 1 Peter 5, and the shepherd and bishop of our souls in 1 Peter 2.25. The Lord Jesus has all the care 
that a good shepherd has of his flock toward us. And the design of the shepherd, why is he come? Verse 10, let's look at our text. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life. So one reason why the shepherd came is to give life to the sheep, as opposed to the thief who wants to kill and to destroy. He came to put the the, the flock uh, into a place of good pasture to give them to give them life. But furthermore, in verse ten, at the end of that verse, it says this: and that they might have it more abundantly, not just life, but a life that's more abundant than a life that would be lived for sin, lost. People are forfeiting their lives now, chasing sin. The Lord came so that those that believe him and follow him could have an abundant life. He very well knows what sin does to a person. Consider all the sins of all mankind that he bore on that cross and what that did between him temporarily there and his father. It was the dark, darkest day in history and it was a dark separation. And so he desires life more abundantly, and no more lives lost and forfeited by sin, and a a life more abundant than what we could ask or think, because our minds are finite and limited, and his is not. He knows far more than we do how wonderful a life lived for him, both here and then the wonderful eternity ahead, is. Christ came to give us a life that we could live, not just live in, but live in and rejoice while we live in this life of abundance. Life without fear of death. Life without fear of the unknown because we know the one who knows all. He came to give life to the sheep, but he also came to give his life for the sheep. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. It was the responsibility of good shepherds to risk their lives and expose themselves to death if needed to protect their sheep. David did that when he went face to face with a lion. And with a bear, he was fulfilling the responsibility of a shepherd. Paul likewise did this symbolically in one sense when he said about some people he had seen saved and reached and, 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 and were growing in the Lord. He said, I would, I would gladly spend and be spent for you. He said, I'm not going to count my life dear to myself. I would like to see your life Flourish, And Jesus Christ, as the great shepherd, the Bible says, shed his blood to purchase our salvation. He is a good shepherd. John 10, verse 15. Let's read that verse. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He laid down his life, not just for the betterment of the sheep, but in their place. And so we have the opportunity to receive this gift of salvation because 
Jesus suffered death in our place. Interesting. The shepherd sacrificed for the sheep. So the shepherds would raise sheep, and of course, most of those sheep, any of those sheep, would be taken to the temple for the daily sacrifice. The purpose of the shepherd was to raise sheep, but he knew that many of those sheep would be used either for food or for sacrifice. But here we have Jesus Christ, the good shepherd who laid down his life in place of the sheep and was fully willing to do that. Look at verse 18. No man taketh it, my life, from me, but I lay it down of myself. He had the power to keep his own life. Verse 18 says, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. And so Jesus didn't go to the cross because he just wasn't able to get away from his captors. He went to the cross because his hour was come. He was willing to surrender his will completely to his Father's will so that God's will, really the fulfillment of the redemption plan, could be done. So we see Jesus as a shepherd, but now turn, if you would, to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, let's see him now, not as the shepherd, but actually as the Lamb of God. John chapter 1 and verse 29, the Bible says this. The next day John seeth Jesus, this is John the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. A little side note is several years ago when the Lord was working in my heart, verses like this, it was as though they had a heartbeat when I was reading them taketh away the sin of the world. Well, what's the world? Well, it's everyone in the world. Well, who hasn't heard the gospel? Many, many, many millions, billions in the world haven't heard the gospel. What's my responsibility to that? Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? He came to take away the sins of the world. It's good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. That verse, it was like it had a heartbeat. All people. And part of that world is the 57 million people in uh, Burma that have very little gospel witness. And uh, all are, just like we are, going to face eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And it's good news. It's good tidings. And it's for all people. And 4% of the world lives here in the States. 96% of the world does not. It's a lot of... It's a large percentage of people that need to hear the good news. And so Jesus here is referred to by John the Baptist in verse 29 as as the Lamb of God. And so in this way, John the Baptist is declaring uh, that he sees here one who is going to be the sacrifice that is going to take away the sins of the world. But a man as a lamb almost... Mm. that's a hard thing to take maybe for a, a man's personality to be called a lamb because what can a lamb do to protect itself? Not, not much. Really, a lamb's dependent on a good shepherd to protect him. Doesn't have a lot to protect himself. And uh, 
Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7 prophesied that the Messiah would be led to the slaughter like a lamb. A few months ago, we were in Texas with uh, Mrs. Ramos's uh, mom and dad, the Johnsons, and Mr. Johnson loves longhorn cattle. Pretty cool-looking guys. I wouldn't want to be the one to lead the longhorn cattle to slaughter. I can't help but think that one of those horns would hook me uh, in, 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 uh, inevitably because they can use those to defend themselves if they think they're going somewhere they don't want to go. A lot of animals have something like that to defend themselves. Not a lamb. And they said, the Messiah? Wait, the Messiah, that one that's going to be this, this ruler, this, this king, this, this uh, great general to free Israel from their oppressors would be led to the slaughter like a lamb. Uh, I remember vividly an illustration that uh, was given when I was young in church. Talked about a guy that uh, for a lot of years worked at a slaughterhouse uh, where they uh, dealt with the final days of sheep. (laughs) And he said, um, you know, he got used to it after a while. But at first he said it was one thing was just very hard for him is when he'd go grab the sheep, take it to its final stop, that was frequently the lamb would lick his hand on the way there. Innocent, not able to defend itself if it wanted to, maybe assuming the best of this person that was coming beside him. That stuck in my mind, and I thought about our Lord Jesus Christ. He very well knew what those, the motives were behind, behind those hands that would lay hold of him. Spent some time reading the Gospels this uh, past fall and saw that the Lord was spat upon, not once, but in the same Gospel account, they came back by as a later part of their, uh, the crucifixion account, and they spat on his face again. At what point could he have said, okay, this is enough, okay, Those 10,000 angels that are ready, they're watching, waiting on the word, but he opened not his mouth. He is led as a lamb to the slaughter. And there was an Ethiopian traveling in the desert in Acts chapter 8, and he had got a hold of a passage of scripture. And the passage of scripture that he got a hold of that he was reading was Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7. And he wanted to know who is this that is led as a lamb to the slaughter. And the Holy Spirit put Philip beside him and explained who that was. And uh, that Ethiopian eunuch got saved, got baptized, and went on his way rejoicing. And tradition tells us that he saw many, many people in his land saved. And it's that verse where he paused and beheld the Lamb of God that changed his life. To pay the penalty for sin, a life had to be given, and God chose to provide the sacrifice in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The command by John was to behold the Lamb of God. Behold, to fix your eyes on, to see with attention to observe with care. Things start to make a little bit more sense for us in the Christian life when we behold 
the Lamb of God. Many things want your attention, want your care, want your interest. They come through all kinds of different ways. This is some of life. Uh, Are we dealing with just the day-to-day life? But may we regularly stop and behold the Lamb of God. When we do that, we'll remember who he is and what he did for us. And then we see in this same passage that command repeated. Look in verse 35 of John 1. Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to be interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And he said, Come and see and They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two, which heard John speak, what did John speak? What did he say? Behold the Lamb of God. One of the two, which heard John speak and followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41, he first findeth his own brother Simon. And saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And so we find ourselves like Andrew after we've spent that time beholding the Lamb of God. I think it's the natural thing to do. The response to that is we go find someone else and said, We found the Messiah. We found the the Lamb of God. I'd like to introduce you to him. I want to tell you about him. He's come so that you can have life and that you can have life more abundantly. He's come and he's died in your stead so that you could be saved. He's shed his blood as the redemption price for your sins. Won't you accept his free offer of salvation? Boy, if we pause in this busy, busy life and behold the Lamb of God. If we are his people, and we are his, we will enjoy that time beholding the Lamb of God. We will be helped by that. We will be convicted by that. We will, will, will be um, sober-minded because we are beholding the Lamb of God. It reminds us then and takes us to the way that we, in response, can live. Turn in closing here to uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Beholding Jesus Christ, not just as the great shepherd, and not just as the shepherd who died in the stead of the sheep, but also as the actual lamb himself, the perfect lamb. We come to verses like this and we want to say, yes, this is what I need to do. I've beheld the Lamb of God, verse 1, Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. How can that happen? Who who, who thinks that way? Someone that's beheld the Lamb of God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, 
which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Beholding the Lamb of God puts our mind, gets it centered on the reality that this world really is vain and deceitful, and it's going to pass away. Beholding the Lamb of God renews our call to humility when we see the humility of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. And it's a motivation for us to be a living sacrifice and, as Galatians says, crucified with Christ. He's come to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. Will we take the opportunity to view him as the Lamb of God? If we do, he has us. He has our life. He has our interests. He has our heart. He has our sacrifice. He can do what he wants with us. He deserves, as the Lamb of God, no less from us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. We can share really just a little bit, just a small part of who you are. As our shepherd, we're thankful for your care and your guidance and your protection in our life. But as the Lamb of God, we are so thankful for your sacrifice. You gave up everything, perfection, heaven's glories, to come down and to die for the likes of us. Thank you for that. I pray, Lord, as we behold you as the Lamb of God, that we might allow you to use our lives however you see fit. May we be surrendered uh, Christians. May we use our time on this earth to tell others like Andrew did, I've seen the Lamb of God and I want to tell you about him. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we will have a time of invitation. If you would stand.